Any questions from anyone on any classes, previous classes? So we're starting new next chapter, chapter five. Or exigency of action. So this this book is going slowly through different areas where you can take in the knowledge and develop yourself. <coughs> right now, we the only development we know is maybe <coughs> going to a gym, <laughs> isn't it? That's all we. I mean, even if we do that. That's the only development that, okay, you know, I need to get fitter or something. No one thinks I need to get, develop myself, my personality. Everyone thinks they're perfect. Everyone is perfect. But there is more room for perfection. And this is what uh, this teaches us. So this book teach, takes us from each, each chapter takes us from one step at a time, from the gross to the subtle. In the end, it tells you who you really are and what your true purpose is and how to get there. But it's just, so as, if you follow each chapter step by step and you apply it, when you get to the end, you're fully developed. So this chapter now, so in the last chapter we talked about our different temperaments, tamas, rajas, sattvic, to understand different personalities. Right now you may just think, oh, this person's lazy or this person is like this. But this explains how they really are, what their um, personality is based on, based on their temperaments. So now we're talking about action. So now we study what is action. The correct, what, the correct way to act. Why do we need to dis... I mean, we all act. The min minute we wake up in the morning, we're performing action, isn't it? Until you go to bed, we all perform action. Why do we need to understand what is a correct way to act? Why do we have to learn how to act? We're all acting. Why do we need to learn how to act? two ways isn't it but one is because every action has an effect mm -hmm. so the cause and effect comes from your action yeah cause and effect yeah and then there's if you feel you haven't acted in the correct way that you feel there's agitations agitations if we don't act correctly we're agitated we don't know why so if we learn how to act properly correctly then there's less agitations and also Actions are better. We perform better action. How do we know we're, we're acting properly? 
with less agitated, no? hmm? with less agitated, you're doing it with more ease, would you not? You're doing it with what, sir? More naturally. Ease. More naturally. Um, you're using your physical person, your body, mind, intellect to act. Uh, how do we know we're doing the right action in the proper way to our capacity? We don't. Reflection. We just do it. Huh? Reflection. Reflection. But we have to reflect on and understand what is the correct way of acting. We're going we're gonna to talk about action. What is the right way to act? The minute we wake up, we act. How do we know we're acting properly in whichever avenue? You should continue to perform action throughout your life. You must never stop. You must never retire from action. Right now you can run 5K. When you're older, maybe you can only run 1K. But you have to keep acting. You should not stop. The fact is we're all born with vasanas. Therefore action is inevitable. We have to act because we have vasanas to, which we have to dissolve. What is action prompted by? Desire. Action is prompted by desire. If you don't have a desire, you're not going to act. So the body acts directed by either the Mind or intellect. Yeah, the body is just a vehicle. We've discussed this before. Either the mind or the intellect tells the body to act. So when the desire pops up, so before that, what is what is action? It's vasanas, which we all know vasanas, are inherent nature. A thought comes up from your vasanas. And if you give that thought a lot of attention, it turns into a desire. And once that desire is strong, you have to act on it. This is the chronology of action. Vasanas, thoughts, desire, action. Make sense? So when you're acting, is because of a vasana. So when the desire pops up, it is either executed by the mind or it goes through the reasoning of the intellect. We already discussed the difference, but just for refreshing our understanding, what is the difference if you act based on the mind? So, based on the mind? Um, without, without really any thought. Without any thought. But how does the mind make your action? How does it taint your action if you're acting by the mind? What is it propelled by? The desire. Desires, yeah. but if you act on the based on the mind, how will your action be? Impulsive. Impulsive. Emotions, feelings. I like that. I think I'll do it. I don't like that. Likes and dislikes. I like that. I don't like that. I'm not going to do that. Even though what you dislike might be good for you. And the intellect. What does that do? question, it thinks, reasons, and then decides if I should act or not. Yeah? Those are the two different differences. If you're impulsive, that's the mind. If it's likes and dislikes, it's the mind. If it's based on emotions, it's the mind. If you think, reason, and then act, intellect. 
the adult in you. We've covered all that before. Yeah, but just because we're talking about action, just cover that. So we all have a choice on what basis we make our, we all have a choice in acting. So what basis do we make our choice? This is the question. Mine wants fried food, wants alcohol, cake, mm -hmm. every day. It doesn't want to wake up early and study, sattvic time. It doesn't want to exercise. Your intellect is not strong enough to control it. We all go through these uh, this, this problems in, in every day. You know you have to do something, but you don't want to do it. Mind says, lazy, relax. We all go through that phase. This is the difference. In the mind and the intellect. Is it because the desire for it is so strong? So if I don't have such a strong desire for something, I'm automatically going to be thinking, I don't want that, do that. It's fine. So if the desire is very strong for a certain area, it will be difficult for you to control. You will have to act on it. If it's a weaker desire, then the intellect has more chance of controlling it. But if it's a stronger desire, but your intellect is weak, weak, or weak yeah, then you can't. Yeah, then if your you develop will it, you follow it through, so it yeah. can be a negative. That's why it ha may have a negative result on you. Yes. But hence, if you're developing your intellect, you could overcome and well, That's right. suppress and relinquish that desire. So certain desires are so strong, you have no control over them. You know, somebody likes uh, alcohol, he has a strong desire for alcohol. Yes, he, he can't control it. Yes, to develop his intellect to a state where he can control it. Fried food, he may hate fried food or sweets. It's a weak desire, it's easier for him to control. We have to think about it in our own personality. Where area, which area we have stronger desires? So that's where you. And if it's ne that doesn't mean that it's bad for you. Those strong desires may be good for you. You may like to work in the gym for two hours a day. You're neglecting other work. I mean, exercise is good for you. It's a strong desire to exercise every day. But then you have to control that as well. Even there, the mind is playing. A, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to go to the office, I'm going to spend an extra hour in the gym. So you have to control that as well. So if the intellect, if the desire is strong, the intellect's not strong enough to control it, then that's also a problem. So when the intellect is developed, you have total control. Until then, it's a constant battle between the mind and the intellect. Shall I or shan't I? We all know the difference between intelligence and intellect, don't we? Yeah, I'm just covering these basics before we talk about action. Just you know, over, going over these uh, basic things. What is intelligence? Knowledge of a subject matter and surface. Basically. Knowledge from knowledge from external Stand. sources, schools, teachers, books. No amount of intelligence can develop your intellect. How can you develop the intellect? Mila, you said? What did you say earlier? Reflection. Contemplation. 
thinking on? Question everything. Question everything. That's how you develop the intellect. You know, now that we've been studying this and you've seen the difference, do you find that uh, you're now, when you can, thinking for a second, oh, is this the mind or the intellect? Huh? Emma, you're laughing? Is that? It's true, yeah. Sometimes. Huh? It's, it's before it was not, not at all, wasn't it? Now it's apparent. Oh, is this the mind? You're questioning. That's development. So you need to question every action. That's where the that's where you have to put in the effort. But before this, most people are unaware. They're just acting without knowing what's propelling the action. Can I control it? So they're just going along wherever it takes them. They have no idea if it's the mind, intellect, likes, dislikes, because they're not aware of this. It's a double whammy, though, isn't it? Because we're all made up of the three temperaments. Um, and if I'm predominantly one of either tamas or rajas, plus I have a really strong desire for something, I'm never going to win it, it seems like. All it means is that you have to put more effort in. Yeah, but I'm but, just going to be constantly agitated. But the fact is that if you have the knowledge, you have a way of developing yourself. What you're saying is I have to put more effort in because I'm more tamasic, I'm more lazy, so the effort has to be greater. That also comes from an understanding. I'm quite tamasic, so I have to put extra effort in. How can I put extra effort in? Okay, I'm tamasic, I can't wake up early. Maybe I'll go to bed early. I have to make that effort. I have to force myself, put two alarms on. You know, those are the kind of things you may have to do because you know your tamasic nature. It's also, what I'm saying is, is that you can be tamasic and rajasic, which is what what your temperament is mm. and then have a really strong desire for something which it almost feels like the intellect has no capacity because that's your nature and that's your desire so what gone case <laughs> <laughs> no but it, it seems like a really it seems like a difficult battle we're not saying it's easy you know, everything is against us. So it's easy to say that, you know, you work on the nicer things that you think, yeah, I'm going to win that one, and it's my intellect. You come across a scenario. But so what's the opposite of that? It's total ignorance? <laughs> Agitation. <laughs> but some of the desires are from your vasanas before anyway, aren't they? So See? Yeah, you don't know them, do you? You don't yeah, know your vasanas. That, that's right. It's your I inherent... Think. But that's where developing the intellect, where the vasanas, the thought comes up and you know, you see, what, what it is, is that your goal isn't set and you don't have, you're not steadfast in your goal. This is the problem. If you have to go to work tomorrow at 8 o'clock in the morning, that is your goal. You will be up to go to work, isn't it? Because you know you have to do that. My goal is I need to develop my intellect. What do I need to do? If that goal is strong enough, then you will do it. But because it's not... You're not steadfast in it, that's the problem. I need to reach, I need to exhaust all my desires in this lifetime. I don't want to have another lifetime because life is, I'm not gonna use the words you say. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, if you believe that strong enough, what's stopping you? That conviction isn't there. 
you're wavering this is the problem so this is why you if you realize the areas where you have issues you have to put extra effort into the areas do whatever necessary you don't know how to do it you can ask somebody else ask your partner you may think that um, they may be able to help you can say look you know I, in, um, I'm staying up late I need to go to bed earlier can you help me to make sure I go to bed at so and so time do whatever it takes Shomila will say, right, nine o'clock, you better get into bed now. <laughs> you know what I mean? So in areas where you know you can't control, get help. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Cruel to be kind, Shomila. So this is the kind of measures you have to take when you're aware that, you know, this area, I'm quite weak. I need help because I can't do it on my own. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> you have to put in the effort. But you have to have that clear goal in mind. This is what I want. How can I get there? You know, they say the, the goal for spiritual development, it should be like when a person's head is under water and someone's holding it down the, and he was trying to breathe that's how it should be the your conviction in getting to that goal what would you do to get your head out of water you'd do anything wouldn't you that's how steadfast you should be your goal should be how many of us can say that we're there we're not so this is the this is where we need to get to The environment we live in plays an important part. We have to put more, it's harder for us being a homeowner, family, living in the West, with all you know, our, our senses, to control our senses is so difficult. What is it now, Christmas? Everywhere you look, it's Christmas. So it's harder. That's why the sages used to go and live in the jungle. No distractions, so it's not easy. But every little bit of effort you put in for little development, that's going to help you. This is what we're saying. You may not reach the end, but at least you'll be happier. So when the intellect is developed, you have total control over the mind. So, um, chapter 5, exigency of action. What is action? We're going to talk about action and the right action. Everyone got the page, yeah? Action is the symbol of life. Every human has to act based on his nature. If one does not act, then one perishes. You need to keep acting. Follow the path of action if one wants to prosper in life. You must overcome all obstacles until you reach the true goal of life. So without action, there would be no life. The minute you stop acting, you're finished. That's why it's important to keep continue acting even in your old age. You should never stop. In nature, you can see this quite clearly. A stagnant pool is dirty, smelly, dark. A running stream is clear, clean, pure. 
because they're still moving. Similarly, if you stop acting, then you become stagnant, meaning unhealthy. You got, start getting sick, aches and pains. This is wrong with me, that's wrong with me. Why? Because you're not acting, you're not moving about, you're not exercising. While you, and you start devolving. This is the problem, you know, at old age, as we get older, if we can, we need to continue working as much as we can. Whatever, it doesn't mean going to work working for charity, doing anything. The fact is that you're helping yourself by doing these things because you're acting and still mentally you're evolving intellectually. Otherwise, you're just sitting at home doing nothing. So we're not at that stage, but we have to understand that as we get older, we need to keep, keep doing these things. There's no such thing as retirement. If you want to succeed in life, be prosperous and peaceful, and you got to keep acting. Everyone acts based on their vasanas. What is vasanas? Inherent nature. That's why every human being is different in their behavior. Different vasanas, different behavior, different nature. So these are we're looking at the basic bits of uh, what action is, and then we'll be going into it deeper. One must exercise daily to keep the body fit. If not, it would lose its strength. But we don't like to exercise. Instead, we prefer to indulge in sensual pleasures. Even to enjoy these pleasures, we need to be fit and healthy. Neglect of physical fitness is detrimental to one's spiritual and material well-being. What does that mean? So you like sensual pleasures, but if to, even for that, you need to be fit to enjoy it. Scriptures say that to maintain your body, you must be active. So you have to exercise. Whatever you do, walking, jogging, swimming, even going up and down the stairs. You know they have these watches that measure the amount of steps you do in a day. Whatever it takes, your focus is, I need to be fit. You have to mentally have that in your mind. If I don't, especially now, at the age, as we get older, it becomes more difficult, aches and pains and stiffness, and we need, to, we need to keep moving. Inaction will lead to death. That's what it says in the scriptures. If you don't act, it leads to death. What is sensual pleasures? Sensual pleasures. What sensual pleasures? I saw you having a cup of tea, so that's what I'm asking you. Maybe makes you feel good. Makes you feel five. The, your it's five sensitive. senses. Your five senses. Wherever that takes you, that is taking in the sensual pleasure. We're not saying sensual pleasure in the way we use it generally. Anything your five senses take you to any direction, that is a sensual pleasure. Like watching TV, taking in with the eyes, that's sensual pleasure. Like hearing music, that's a sensual pleasure. So neglect of physical exercise is bad for you, for your well-being and for your spiritual development. If you can't sit and study, if you can't do service for others, how are you going to spiritually develop? How are you going to practice the three yogas and exhaust your vasanas if you're not active? That is, if that's your goal. If your goal is just to enjoy life as long as you can, even for that you need to be fit. You may have millions in the bank. You can't move 
What's the point? What are you going to do with that money? If you're not active. You can't get out of bed. What's the point? So that's why we need to keep physically be fit. So Swami Vivekananda, he gave lectures all over the world. In his first spiritual lesson, he said, go and play football. That was his spiritual advice to everyone. Go and play football. Because his followers were all inactive. Sit there, listen to him, that's it. Go and play football, he said. Meaning, go and be active. Does everyone understand why you need to be active? Why you need to be physically fit? Because without that, what do you have? That is the key to your long life. But we're spending all our time earning money without, and neglecting our physical, per, physical body. What's the point? It doesn't make sense. You have to balance it. Having all the money and not being fit, then what's the point? If you're fit, you can make more money. For longer. Isn't it? So the emphasis should be on that. Whatever it is, you know, take half an hour every day and make sure, look after your body. Because that's what's going to take you from one experience to another. It's like your car, you do MOT every year, every year, don't you? Make sure it's okay. Make sure you service it. Why? Because you know it takes you from A to B. Wherever you want to go, your car takes you. Similarly, you have to look at the body in the same way. So do we all understand why we need to keep fit? I can't talk to Joshnawi. She's just come from a yoga class. So. <laughs> She's saying, I don't need to learn this. I already know. So now we're going to talk about a couple of ideas now. Can I ask? Yeah. Do you think that the three temperaments control my vasanas, or is it that my vasanas, because the two seem very different, but yet they're my inherent tendencies. So is it that if I have those, if I have sattvic tendencies, temperament, predominantly, my vasanas will be more sattvic, or not necessarily. What what comes first, or what it controls what? Okay. What does it? Well, let's open it to the class. What can, What comes first? Your vasanas, because they come with you. See, vasanas you can't change. It's because of your vasanas you are born. I can't change my vasanas. You've come with X amount of vasanas, which you have to exhaust. Okay. The temperaments you can change. You understand your tamasic. You can put in effort to raise yourself. Vasanas you cannot change. You don't know what vasanas you have. They are a bundle of desires, which are from how many lifetimes? But temperaments you can change. So if I then uh, have a, um, if, if I develop the temperament to move from Tamas Rajas to Sattva, then 
my a vasana might pop up for mm. something that I feel is actually not good. I still have that because it's. But before it turns into a desire and action, your sattvic nature will say, yeah. "I don't want to." Do that. You're developing a sattvic nature. You want to become more sattvic. And a, vast, and a thought comes up, you know, I've been invited to this party, it starts at 9 p.m., finishes at 3 a.m. You know what, that's not for me, I need to get up in the morning at 4.30. My, it's important for me to study this subject, develop myself, that's going to take me away from that. So you've now eradicated that tamasic desire because of you want to promote your sattvic side, so slowly that will go away. Does everyone understand? Yeah. So the vasanas are there, but you send your power to eliminate them at the thought level. If you're strong enough, before it turns into a desire. At the thought level, before it becomes a desire, this thought has arised. I want to go to a restaurant tonight. <laughs> So you have a, you can either yeah, look at the menu, this food is really good, look at the reviews, that, that desire becomes stronger and stronger. At that thought level when it came up, you know what, the weather's really bad, no, not tonight, it's gone. But the more fuel you give that thought, the stronger the desire, and then you've got to take me. <laughs> <laughs> you see how it works? You've got to take me, you never take me anywhere, let's go. I'll book the table. Now you have to act on it. <laughs> now you have to act on it. It's too strong now. You've put too much fuel into it. This is how it works. Just play this back every time. <laughs> but this is how it works. That's just an example. So if the desire is so strong, then how do you stop it? Because you've got to exhaust that desire, right? To get rid of it. So how would you stop it okay. midway? When the th see, like, this is what we said, if the desire, the vasana is so strong and it goes with your personality, it's more difficult. Yeah? At the thought level, someone, your friend says to you, have you visited that restaurant? It's really nice. Yeah? Now she's put that thought into you. Now if you like eating out and trying new places, then that is a stronger mm. desire for you. If we don't, if the same person said to Sunil, Sunil might just say, yeah, whatever, not interested. But you like, enjoy going out, eating out. Nothing wrong with it, by the way, yeah? So therefore that desire will become stronger in you. But if you, at the thought level, be able to say, you know, not interested, then it's not going to become a desire. But the more you look into it, the stronger that thought becomes into a desire. And then it becomes more and more difficult. See, it's like on the mount, on the hill, you have a ball, you have a choice to put, throw it down or not. Once it starts rolling down, it becomes faster and faster. Similarly, that desire becomes stronger and stronger. To certain areas, you can't control it. In certain areas where that desire isn't strong, you can control it. You know, I don't want to go. I don't like Italian. You may like Indian, then that desire may be stronger in that area. It's all in your control, that's why you, you need to develop that personality to be able to control it. By the way, there's nothing wrong with doing, going out. 
it is just an example of how it how it works. I don't want to go gym today. It's raining. It's going to rain three months in a year. I mean, <laughs> so this is so. Then you understand it's going to be rain three months. What? I'm not going to go for three months. You think you know what? Sorry, let me just go. Vedanta highlights the importance of work as well as promotes renunciation. Now, this is a new word for us: renunciation. This is an inconsistency since both have the opposite meaning. The term renunciation in this context means renunciation of the ego while working. The ideal way to work is when the mind is set on a higher ideal beyond one's own selfish interest while the body is acting. One must act without the egoistic notion of I am the doer. This is the spirit of renunciation one must practice. One will gain triumph and wealth and peace and happiness if one acts in this way. You can practice this in all aspects of one's life. One does not need to remove himself from society to live a life of renunciation. What is renunciation? Has anyone heard of this word? Renunciation. Yeah, Trishna, what does that mean? To me it's giving everything. Giving everything. Renouncing. See, that's the, that's the problem. We, the word has that we, we think that it means giving up. But what do we give up? If you're saying renunciate in work, what are we, we give up work? It says work in the spirit of renunciation. How is that possible? If it means giving up. Okay, let me explain what renunciation means. No interest in value for the transaction. Person who develops renunciation is automatically objective with whatever he does. Renunciation generally is what Drishnabin says, general meaning means giving up. But what do we give up? People just give up work and leave. Sit in an ashram. So they, what they're saying is, while you're working, renunciate the ego, not the work itself. We already said how important it is to work for, until we're old. How can now it can say renunciate work? Give up work. Give up the ego while you're working. This is what they mean. We're going to go into more detail. But the crux of this action is working without feeling that I'm the doer, without thinking I did this. This is how we need to act. Now we're going to study this. Do we never look at action in this way? What is ego? What is ego? When you say, what's the general word? When you say, oh, he's egoistic. What, do, what are we talking about? You're the best. You're the best. Better than others. Better than others. <coughs> so, ego in the spiritual context means the, the individuality. So, the combination of the spirit 
with the body-mind intellect creates the ego. So when you give up your ego, when you dissolve your ego, what are you giving up? What are you dissolving? The, the individual view, just looking at yourself for yourself. So spirit and matter is the ego. So when you're giving up, the, when you're di di dissolving your ego, you're giving up that individuality of the body, mind, intellect. I am this person. I am six foot tall. I am an emotional person. I'm an intellectual person. When you say I am the self, then nothing else matters. You've now given up that individuality. You identify with everyone as the self, no longer as I am Sunil Patel. Instead, I am Brahman. I am the self. I am the spirit. So you're now identifying with, no longer with the ego, which is the individual person. You see everyone as the self. So this is the ego. The minute you say me, you're looking at body, mind, intellect, and the self. That's your ego. Is that quite clear to everyone? Me, myself, and I. When you, do, when you say, I'm universal with everyone, I am the self, then you're identifying everyone, no longer with the ego, which is what we're trying to get to, isn't it? So the ego is the individuality created by a combination of the matter layers, body, mind, intellect, and self, matter and spirit. The assertion of the individuality in, in the medium of the totality. This is what we're doing. The totality is Brahman, the world is Brahman, but I'm an individual. Identification. Arrogating thoughts, deeds to oneself. That arrogating factor is ego. You know this temple? I made it. You may have funded it, but you didn't make it. I did it. See this fit body? I created it. You didn't create it. You went to the gym, you worked hard, you used the facilities, the equipment made by other people, which then allowed you to have that. The dissolution of ego is cancelling that I factor. So individual has capacity to concentrate on any of the component parts, the body, the mind, the intellect or the self. It's up to you. The ego operates in three ways. I'm just explaining this so that when we go further, you understand what we're talking about. No point in me using the word ego when no one understands it. Ego operates in three ways. Can you remember? How does the ego operate in three ways? Anyone remember? I am the doer. I alone exist. I am superior. That's how the ego manifests in everyone. I am superior. <coughs> everyone is below me. You know who I am? I own this business, multi-million pound business, that's who I am. That's the ego. Renunciation, no interest in value for transaction, meaning you're not, you just work for the sake 
not worried about anything. You're just working in without the ego, without I am the doer, without I alone exist, without I am the super, I'm superior. You're working with that focus in mind. You're working as a group, as a team. So in renunciation, the way renunciation works is when you're acting, you have a higher ideal. I'm working for this company, the benefit of this company. I'm working for my community. I'm working for world peace. I'm working for self-realization. So the goal is not towards your own selfish motivation, your selfish gain. You work, this is, when you work in that way, this is the spirit of renunciation we're talking about. It's hard to understand because we're not used to thinking in this way. We're always thinking of how can it benefit me or my family or my pay packet. We're not used to thinking in this way. But when you're working in the spirit of renunciation, this is what it is. You're working for a higher ideal. We're going to go into detail now. The highest ideal one can aspire to is the realization of the self, Atman, God. If one directs one's mind to this ideal, while acting, then one will slowly dissolve one's ego until it is no more. You drop the notion of I and mine and become the highest caliber of worker. You then produce love, peace and harmony within and, without and out around you. How do we do this? changing our whole mindset you know? the concept of work concept of work is to act for a higher cause right now we only work for our immediate family maybe for our extended family so the idea is to expand that we said act for the community for the country for humanity for all beings so how you identify greater circle of identification the more your ego will dissolve. So we need to work not for our own selfish reasons. As you work with a high ideal, we reduce our ego and our desires, and the I and my drops off. Now, when you work in this way, you're actually working in the right spirit. You will become more successful, this is what they're saying. You may not want to give any money to anybody. But you become more successful in whatever you're doing with this, uh, with this way of working. I'm working for the company. How can, I, how can the share price of my company go up? It's my job. If you're thinking in that way and you put in extra effort, management will recognize that and pay you more money. Give you a higher post. You're, otherwise you're thinking, how can I work the least hours and get the maximum money? Then it's not going to work, is it? So you've got man, nothing to do with being spiritual. The fact is, if you work in this way, you can develop and benefit more. In whichever, in that area. Does that make sense? That works in private sector, but not in the NHS. So you, and you're working in the NHS? It works, it's basically, we're doing it for the patient. When you're working in the NHS, the, the idea is different. You're working to help. 
Yeah, in a in a management company, it's different. Everyone's working to go up in the company. Here, you're working to help people. So your goal is how can I help? How can I be of service? That's you're already doing higher. You're already higher up in the rung on the ladder. You can't work for the NHS unless you have that identification. So we have to work think, not thinking of our own selfish reasons. And if you do that, the, that ego, the I, my drops off. Ultimately, we need to work for realization of the supreme self. This is the highest goal beyond anything else. But because we don't know how to, we have to start by practicing to be non-selfish, increase our circle of identification. So let's just start with expanding our circle. Let me help my neighbor. Let me help my colleague at work. Let me help whoever I can help. You're now slowly becoming unselfish and you can grow that circle. Ultimately, to get to that goal of self-realization. We can't think of that highest ideal right now. It's not in our capacity. It may be, but it's difficult. So baby steps, let's start somewhere. Let's think in that way. Who am I working for? What am I working for? Make sense? People are confused about working in a spirit of renunciation and therefore do not value it as a way of life. You either become attached to your work or abstain from it. You must realize work is an obligation and unavoidable. You have to work. So that people don't understand this concept of working in the spirit of renunciation and the benefit of working in this way. So people get attached to their work or completely escape from working altogether. This technique they don't understand. As we said, the fact that you're born, you have to act. And the best way to act is to understand your obligations and your goal in life. What's our goal in life from a spiritual perspective? Realize the self. Realize the self by reducing our desires. You may say, I want to stop this birth-death cycle. How do I do that? I want to attain moksha. It's not easy. We have to put in effort. We have to understand and put in and act in the correct way. Society is so selfish and these values are no more. So it's not easy in this day and age. People take advantage of you. That spirit isn't there. But for your own happiness, peace, this is the right way to act. Don't think of your own selfish self. So even Arjuna, this is an example, even Arjuna was dejected from doing his duties. Lucky for him, he had Krishna. You cannot avoid your obligatory functions, which means, means your duties. You have duties. You have to act based on your duties, your obligations. You're a housewife, you're a business person, you work for the NHS, you have duties and obligations. You cannot get away from it. In the epic Mahabharata, a great battle was fought between two royal forces. 
Arjuna was a warrior prince leading one of the armies. He aimed at destroying unrighteousness and resurrecting righteousness in the country. The stage was set for the battle to commence. At that crucial moment, Arjuna wanted to withdraw from the scene. The warrior declined to fight. He shrank from his obligatory duty. He appealed to Lord Krishna if he could leave the battlefront. It was then that the Lord gave Arjuna the sermon of the Bhagavad Gita. He preached the necessity of action, the art of right action, which is what we're studying now. How the role of action embraces the principles of renunciation. He advised Arjuna to renounce his egoistic feeling and fight the battle impersonally for the welfare of the people. This is what we just talked about. Renunciate his ego. So this is from the Bhagavad Gita. So even Arjuna, he was detected from his duties. Krishna, his friend, was on his side. He explained to Arjuna that why he needs to fight. And that if he fights with this attitude of renunciation, to dissociate, dissociate I can't say the word, disassociate himself from his own personal identification, then he will be able to fight better. So what happened to Arjuna? When he wanted to fight, what happened? We say his ego came in the way, whatever, he was affected. Why did, was he affected? What was it that he said? Or he felt? He couldn't fight his family. Absolutely. Absolutely. He got mentally affected. How can I kill my cousins? Anitana says you have to kill your cousins. Can you do it? It depends which cousin, I suppose, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but you'd have, you'd think, what, what, what am I doing? Yeah. How can I kill my cousins, my uncles, my well-wishers, my guru, my family? His guru was on the opposite side as well, isn't it? Yes. How can I kill them? So the mind won't let him act because of his attachments. But it was his obligation. He had to. But he, can't, he couldn't do it. So Krishna acted as his intellect and reasoned with him, told him why he had to perform his duties and how. His obligatory duties, this is the way you have to act. Don't get personal. They're in the, they're in the, they're, they're all unrighteousness. Is it Duryodhan? Yes. Duryodhan was an evil person. And everyone who was fighting on his side may not have been evil, but they were fighting with him. Regardless, we won't go into detail why. So to bring righteousness back, he had to do the right thing. That's exactly what we need to be doing. What is the right? What is not right? We have to understand this and make the right decisions. What's good for me? What's right for me? Krishna is within all of us. We're studying his work. Just need to bring him to the surface by studying his values and developing our intellect. Does everyone understand that? So it's a great warrior like Krishna. Arjuna couldn't fight, so you can imagine how difficult it is. <laughs> how much effort we have to put in.
The Gita pressed home the role of action in the spiritual path. Yet the Indians consider it a text more for the retired and the old. Ironically, the Gita's subtle principles of action are practiced more beyond the shores of India. In most Western countries, people have kept the nation as their altar, above their little selves, and dedicated work to the nation's prosperity and welfare. Consequently, they have become progressive, productive, and prosperous. So in the Western countries, they practice this essence of the Gita without knowing it. Working for the country, prosperity, welfare, like Germany was finished in, in, in the 40s. Japan, all the people got together and worked for the country. Now they're much greater than so many countries. Why? Because people are renunciating the ego and working for the greater good, which is the nation. That's why they become such advanced countries. They don't realize, but that's what Gita is teaching us. Do it in this spirit. This is the spirit they have been doing it. And look how prosperous they became. So people think it's for retirement, old age. We don't give it any importance. We leave it to read when we are retired. Nothing better to do. Let's go and listen to this Swami coming to give lecture on Gita. We go and re listen to it with our friends. Very good lecture. But we're too old to, or to set in our ways to take the instructions and act on them. What's the point? We'll come and preach to our children. You know, we went to see this lecture. He said this, that you should do that. <laughs> we don't take <laughs> You should do that. That's the right way to act. You know that? So all of us, unfortunately, we're fortunately, we're not retired and we're not old. So we are still young. So we're fortunate to come across this subject. Let's use it to develop ourselves and be become better human beings for our own, for our own, for our own betterment. We all want to be happy. It's teaching us how to be happy. You just have to apply it. See, well, not a lot many people come across this knowledge. Even if they do, they, they, they don't have a desire for it. Very, very few people. That's why this class will always stay 20, a maximum maybe 20 people. Because there aren't that many people out there who one can take this and apply it the effort is too great for them. So if you come this far, put a little, put a little bit of effort and apply it, because you'll see the benefit of it. So. Any questions? So how to act? This is the right way of acting, renunciating the ego. So now we discuss the value of action. Why we need to act in the right way. Even to be successful in life, work, relationships, health, whatever you want to achieve in life, you have to put in the right action in the right way. This topic needs you to think a little to understand because we have never thought of action in this way. 
So anybody have any questions, please, you know, make sure you understand. The mere acquisition of knowledge is not sufficient for one to survive. One needs to transform this into action. So whatever knowledge you gain, you have to put it into action. You're just understanding it and not acting on it is a waste of time. Even here, if you learn some new idea, you understand the benefit of it, don't let it just stay in your head. Don't let it stay in your head as an idea, act on it, put it into practice. Try it out. If it works, you see the benefit, then adopt it in your life. That's the right way of taking in knowledge, convert it into wisdom. See here, if you understand it, you think, yeah, that's right, makes sense. But, but the minute you leave, it's out. Then it's pointless. You have to act on it. If it makes sense to you, try it. No harm. So this is another area of action that we're not used to understanding, which we're going to talk about now. One should focus on the work itself and not on the result. If one fails or is successful, it is not important. It is your capa capability to fulfill your obligation. One's action should not be troubled by the anxiety of enjoying the result. What does that mean? Take all your time worrying about the target instead of actually focusing on. Doing Brilliant. What you need. Perfect. Don't worry about the result. <coughs> Follow the directions, the cake will come out magnificent. You worry, how is it going to look? How is it going to look? You're not putting in the right ingredients, you're not weighing it properly. It's not going to come out right. Success and failure is dependent on many other factors. You may score a century, played the best game of your life, but still your team loses. But you put in the right action. You build the best business, put 100% effort in. You could not have done any more. Then Brexit happens and the market changes. Is it your fault? You put in the right effort. So success and failure is irrelevant. Can you, are you putting in 100% effort in? That's what's important. The surgeon does his best for a person having a cardiac episode. He puts in the perfect action, but the person dies. There are many other factors to success and failure. You can't say, oh, I did everything, but he still died. There are so many other issues. You're a nurse. You have been trained in a specific area of nursing. Just perform your duties to the best of your ability. As long as you know in your heart you have done your best, that's all that matters. Whatever happens thereafter is not in your control. So don't worry about the result of the action, that's what they're saying. It's a strange thing to say, isn't it? Because we all worry about the result. 
what will he think? What have I done it right? Have I done it wrong? What do they mean by this? Don't worry about the result. Concentrate on the work you're doing. Will I develop? Will I become sattvic? <laughs> Don't need to worry about all that. <laughs> Just do what was been told and it automatically the result will happen. How much muscles have I made? I went to the gym today for an hour. I lifted heavy weights. Let's see how much muscles I made now. <laughs> when you worry about the result, you can't concentrate on the action itself. You can't put in 100%. If you put in 100%, you're bound to be successful. Worrying about the result agitates your mind. Will it work? Will I win? Batsman gets 99 runs. He starts worrying. Will I get 100? He gets out. But <coughs> <laughs> then do I got out at 99? Yeah. It, automatically the mind thinks, will I get the next one? He's playing beautifully. But at that point, the mind gets agitated. Will I get the next one? How is he going to bowl? You're worried about all that. The ball comes and you... You can't concentrate on the next ball. So don't let the anxiety for enjoying the fruit disturb the course of your action. So this is another part of action. Giving up your ego, working for a higher cause and not worrying about the fruits. So many different areas we have to think about. In this so many subject. people give up action. <laughs> so many things. It's, that's why they say, you know, being in ignorance is bliss because once you start lowering all this, you think, what am I doing? Am I doing it right? Am I doing it wrong? You're questioning everything. But that's how you develop. Perfect action is when your focus is not on the result. Just working with the right spirit, not worried about what you get out of it. Work for work's sake, then work becomes a pleasure. As soon as you attach a selfish motive, it becomes a burden. As soon as you attach selfish, will I get this? Will I not get this? It becomes agitation. You're just working, putting in the right effort. Whatever the result, I've done my thing. Whatever happens, happens. Whatever anyone says, I'm not bothered. I've done my best, that's all that matters. If you're worried about what other people think, you're not going to put in the right effort. Action suffers. What matters is the ability to adopt action to your obligation. Just do what you ought to in life. Put in 100%. If you're an actor, act. Teacher, teach. Businessman, do business. That's it. That's your role in life. Nothing more. If you, if you act in this way, you're not only successful, but you are peaceful, happy. Most of all, you're reducing your desires. God created me like this. This is what I must do. These are my vasanas, let me do it. Why worry about anything else?
One must just keep acting. That is one's duty. You must not be unconcerned towards pleasure, pain, joy or sorrow. That may result from the action. You will benefit from the right action itself rather than the result. If you work in the spirit, work is enjoyable. Joy is found in the work. You never get tired of work. It's those worrying that ties you in work. You find happiness in working. Just work for work's sake. You enjoy your work. You're not working just for the result. But the work itself, God has given me these skills, let me use them. At the same time, enjoy using them. This is the role I have been given in life. The result is a bonus. The result is a bonus. I've been given the skills to be a teacher, let me just teach. And enjoy teaching. All my kids pass, that's a bonus. You've done your best. You're going to enjoy that anyway. <clears throat> so work itself becomes a pleasure. You look forward to it. Therefore, when you enjoy the work, putting in more effort is easy. And when you put in more effort, you become more successful, more happy, more peaceful. It's just a change in attitude. By learning this from our scriptures, you learn this from our scriptures. This is why it's called a manual on how to live life, not a retirement pastime. You learn at 70 how to act properly and not worry about the results and all that. What's the point? You can't do anything now. You have to adopt these things now. Are people falling asleep yet? You can all listen to this afterwards again. One does not understand the splendor of real work. Everyone requires a worldly incentive to work. You develop more desires. You long for the fruit of the action. See, you, you created all this work. And now you've become a slave to it. All this work that you have to do, who's created it? You've created it. I must do this, I must do that. And then it becomes a burden. Who's responsible for it? You are. Some of it is obligation, isn't it? This is it. It's so having the attitude, balance. what is obligation? This is my obligation. This is my duty. Let me do it to my best of my ability. You've created that role for yourself. You got married, you're a housewife, you've become a housewife. That is your role. You can't say, I don't want to be a housewife now. It's what you've created. 
your vasanas are such. The best you can do is fulfill that role. It's a lot to take in, because it's a, such a concept that we've not thought of in this way. That you have to really think about it, your actions, am I acting properly? What is the right way to act? It's in the Gita. So we're not making this up, this is how it is. That's how Arjuna won the war, the right action. And this is how we can win in our life, with the right action. When you work in the spirit, you become more efficient, more happy, you enjoy life. If you see it as a burden, then you're miserable eight hours a day. It's just a change of attitude, isn't it, for knowledge. I'm not going to carry on because I know everyone's mentally fatigued now. <laughs> It's a lot to uh, take in, but you have to question, am I acting properly? What's my motivation to act? <coughs> you don't need an incentive to work. This is what they're saying. Work for work's sake. So when you adopt that way of working, you look forward to going to work. You enjoy it. Becomes fun. They say, look at work like you play sports. You enjoy playing sports. You win, yes, I won, you lose. We still had a good time. So work should be looked at like a sport. <laughs> it's because we get mentally involved. That's why the problems create are created, because we mentally get involved. Why am I going to get out of this? I've done spent four hours doing this. Nothing's happened. I've been going gym two weeks. Nothing's happened. I'm the same weight. That's you looking at the result. Put in the right action, carry on. The result is automatically going to happen. No? How can it not? How can the results not be? You're putting in the right action. It's very gross, though, isn't it? Those examples. <laughs> I'm no, giving gross examples I, so people can identify with it. Yeah, but like, for example, a, a nurse does her best that she can do on a ward to help the patients that she's helping that patient is not meant to get better the nurse can blame herself because she'll be thinking I'm the one who is in charge of helping that patient get better she you know of course there's going to be upset to think well hang on yeah there's an aspect to think that I did the best I could do but you would still feel it because that's your job and you the idea that you are a nurse is because you want to help your patients get better, not that they don't improve in health and well-being. So does that mean so that... So there's always going to be a point where... Okay. Not every patient is going to get better. 
So you've just contradicted yourself. Yeah, but the idea is not to be agitated. Of course you'll be agitated because your vasana is to help people get better. Did you, did you put 100% effort in to get that person better? Well, you think you would have. Well, that's, that's all you can do, isn't it? You're not God. Yes, but the idea of saying that, you know, don't be affected by it, I don't know how you can't be affected so by it. So, you've got five patients. How are you going to deal with the next patient if you're affected by the first patient passing away? Your role is to nurse. So all the other four patients should suffer because you're affected? Is that fair? Are you doing your duty properly? I'm not saying about what, how I will be affected. I'm saying that when it comes to examples of thinking how we are affected, mm. it wouldn't mean that it, my care for the other four would be affected. It would just mean that I am still mentally not. agitated and upset, but yep. I still carry on. But you understand this person has passed away. I did the best I could. Yeah, it's sad. Yeah, but it's not in my control. If the surgeon was not able to save every person's life, is that his fault? Would he? If he's he's got four patients, if he first one passes away and he's upset, how is he going to save the other three patients? Sure, he did his best, but he he, he you don't know what that patient had gone through, what issues he had. He may have he may be having a cardiac arrest due to other reasons. He may be a brilliant cardiologist, but he can't control the diabetes, the other things uh, that is happening to him. Everything's not in your control, but you play your role, your obligatory duties the best you can. I understand that bit, but I'm just saying about how can you not be affected? Well, if it stops you from acting properly, then that's where you have to work on. That's the area you have to work on. So you're not affected. See, the world and everyone in it works in a particular way. You're just a cog in the wheel. You have a role to play. You just have to play that role the best you can. That is your responsibility. That's your obligation. Nothing more. What else can you do? People are dying everywhere. You can't be affected by everything. You can be affected, but you just need to turn around and analyze your emotions. And That's say, right. Okay, I've been through this. I did the best I could. Mm. And I've done this, this, and this. And now I need to be in a place where I know. That, that's exactly right. That's exactly how you have to deal with it. I'm not saying don't feel for that person. You, you know, if you if you don't feel that person, then that's not right either. You need to feel emotion emotions. You know, shame. You know, he was only seventy years old, or you know, he's only fifty years old, but he died early. But his vasanas are such. His next life might be better. Maybe suffering. Maybe that's the best thing. His, you're you're agitated because you couldn't save his life. His wife comes and says, "You know, he's been suffering for ten years. This is the best thing that's happened to him." You don't know what the background is, so we can't make these calls. We just have to do what we can, put in the right action.
that's the role of nurses, doctors, and anybody else who treat patients as such. You know, at some point or another, the patient's going to die regardless mm. of what you've done. So go in with that mentality anyway. Yes, exactly. It's to restore health, isn't it? Mm. That's our role. That's our aim, but you can't predict what the outcome will be. No, but that's what I'm saying. When that aim yeah, is to restore health and the aim is not met, there's going to be repercussions for you emotionally. Yeah. But you would have a certain knowledge of the patient you're treating anyway. You're aware the pathway is going in. So well, if it's, if it's a, for example, a, a one-way treatment for a specific disease, but if there's a whole array of things that need to be treated, it's very complex, isn't it? And therefore, there's more chances of things... But then you can also have somebody who's come in and then suddenly has a heart attack and they just die. So that's unknown as well, isn't it? See, the other person's cause and effect that you're not aware of. Mm -hmm. You can only put in your effort. Yeah, it does affect you, but... You know, you're teaching 20 kids at school, 15 past five fail, 15 did homework and put effort in every day, the other five didn't. Is How can that... How can you be responsible for that? You may have given them extra attention because you know, but at the end of the day, they have to put in that effort to be able to pass, isn't it? You can't blame yourself. Only 15 passed. I'm a bad teacher. You did your best. That's all you can do. So this is a perfect action. Not worried about the results. Your obligation, fulfilling your obligation, your duties to the best of your ability without being affected. I'm not saying you won't be affected. But if you're affected so much, then you can't continue putting in the right action. This is the problem. You have to develop that area of understanding. Okay, any questions? So when we go to work, it should be, we did this, we did that. I think if it, when you when you're talking about um, things going okay, it's a question of saying right, you know, we as a team did it right. But it's when something goes wrong that you put the focus more on yourself. She did it. Then, <laughs> then when you do it on somebody else, do you know what I mean? That's the idea, and it's we can all live with. Um, it's far more difficult to live with the mistakes you've made than live with the good things. It's because we always analyse things that went wrong as opposed to right. what things went right. That's so right. if we did a little sheet and said everything that went right and everything that went wrong, you'll see there's a better balance. So but that's what they said. If you make a mistake, the way to learn from it is what went wrong, what went right, yeah. and how can you make it right next time so it doesn't happen again. Mm. So you can't control every situation. You can only go in and do your best. You can't control every situation. It's impossible. Doctor cannot save every person's life. It's impossible. It's not. You know. It's not. It's not real. It's not. You're not facing reality. 
you're the best doctor in the world, but you can't save everyone's life. But you haven't, you've done your best, that's the main thing. This is what we're saying, right action.